Hello, Wildcats. It is your boy, Kev, coming at you like a McGregor shoulder to the face. Hot two, three dinners ready. Oh, my nose. Oh, oh, my nose. That was a Brady Bunch. Marsha getting hit in the face of the football. Anyways, this is just a little disclaimer, a little heads up to let you know that this is a comedy and crime podcast. So even though we do cover many serious cases and true events, we do like to throw in some inappropriate jokes and some uh, some crude, dark humor. So if you're not into that, mixing that with crime and comedy, then this is not the podcast for you. But uh, maybe you'll check it out and like it. And maybe you'll be, a, I don't know, a pervert. Maybe you're a pervert. And uh, maybe this podcast will make you realize you're a pervert. Anyways, thank you everyone for listening. Be good, stay safe, and laugh at the dark stuff. Hashtag wild man. Hey, Kevin, you're not going to make another song about grandma, are you? Don't worry about it, father. I see my grandma's titties hanging out the bottom of a t-shirt. I told my granny she should buy yourself a ball, you know that wouldn't hurt. But my grandma, yeah, she got a pretty face. But them titties, girl, don't you know I'd have to rate them two out of ten? That's right, Grandma. Why don't you tell me your story? And what's in that tin can? Is it cookies or sewing supplies? And what's your fine ass doing up at 6 p.m., girl? It's way past your bedtime. That don't change a goddamn thing. All I know is your mind, baby. And I'm about to take off those pajamas. Mm. Granny, don't you know I think it's cute the way you're playing hard to get. But I'm stubborn like an elephant Cause once I get you in my head I can't forget Oh grandma We can do it nice and slow I have you moaning girl Like you did last week at Bingo Let's take it to the floor Alright fellas, like we practiced Yeah Two, three, four Come on down Come on down, hanging with the brothers tonight. Come on down to the brothers' commonplace tonight. Alrighty, welcome everyone to the brothers' commonplace, a comedy and crime podcast where we cover monsters, murders, mysteries, and more. more. That's right. And before we jump into today's topic, I want you all to meet the rest of my bandmates from Dragon Sound. I'm not really sure what that band is. That's the band from Miami Connection. I don't, I don't even know what that is. Well, you'll have to check it out after this primo. It's a good one. That yeah, sounds good. All right, what's going on, guys? This is Tim. And if, like, anybody, anybody, doesn't matter, you know, people in the podcast or people just listen to it, you guys know about me. All I'm about is the gym. That's all I do is just go to the gym. Yeah. Just busting out fucking reps. That's all I'm doing, just busting out reps at the gym. And uh, I was at my gym the other day, busting out <laughs> the fucking reps, man. And those people, those people there, they know me for that. Like, they're looking at me like, dude, look at this dude fucking busting out these reps. So they actually, like, it was so cool. Um, they thought of a nickname for me and they started to chant it at me. And I was like, fuck yeah. Like, it's just, just pumping me up as they're chanting this nickname at me. They were calling me Jeffrey Repstein. <laughs> 
<laughs> Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> there's I like that. There's more. Um so <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, of course there is. So I had taken like a pre workout, you know what I mean? So I was <laughs> I was super jacked, you know, super just just fucking yeah. high energy. And I thought, fuck, what am I gonna do? I've already busted all these reps. They've already called me Jeffrey Repstein. So I'm like, what else could I what else could I do with my day that's gonna make my day this good? Um so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna home I'm gonna go home and fucking jerk it. You know, I have to bust this one out. And yeah. um and so dude, there's this fucking fine chick like just staring at me. And I'm like, she read my mind. She's like, You're not doing that alone. I'm like, Oh fuck. So um we went back to my house and we, we did our thing. So I guess uh Jeffrey Repstein didn't bang himself. <laughs> oh shit dude that was fucking good yeah oh man (sighs) oh man so stupid hey i'm the spence also known as the coupon scribe oh shit i have this coupon for my sandwich (laughs) <laughs> that's all i have to say oh fuck yeah all right fuck yeah that's all we need that's all you need to say and it is your boy kev aka the dirty dog and you guys already know it's 2020 it's a new year and it's time to take the pod to new levels this year and much like those gerbils at richard's house we need to get in gear oh <laughs> oh yeah that's it for me. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> That's all I had. Dude, I had a joke that my other intro was going to be. I didn't have a punchline, or I didn't have an actual joke. I just had the punchline where it was going to be about teenagers at Chernobyl. And then <laughs> it was like, uh, what? That's <laughs> so stupid. Um, uh, fuck, I already forget what it was. <laughs> Mutations? <laughs> I Radiation? forgot. It was like adolescent, but it was um sorry guys. It's all right. I it's forget. okay. It's all good. Uh, fuck, what's the word I'm looking for? The movie oh, yeah. Chernobyl was really good. No, it's not. I remember now. It the punchline <laughs> was adolescent. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's stupid. It's stupid. I like it. But cuz cuz the glowing teens. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But anyways, uh, today's topic, it's a little different, you know, it's, uh, it's a crime. I mean, there's dead people and stuff, but at the end, you can decide for yourself, was this guy a hero, a monster? You'll have to, uh, decide for yourself. But yes, today we're going to be talking about Walter Jackson Freeman, aka the father of lobotomy. Oh man, at first I thought you were going to be talking about like Thanksgiving with my family. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> there's dead people is it a crime uh, uh, lobotomy Jackson Freeman sounds like like doing the stranger <laughs> or like a, like, a like, freed like, slave after like, the like, civil war like you sat on your arm for a while until it got numb and then you did a Jackson Freeman like, oh. <laughs> it kind of oh, sounds yeah, like that it's just kind of all uh, over the place cause the arm's numb <laughs> so uh, Freeman here he was born on November 14th in 1895, nice. oh. and he is best known for being an American neurologist that specialized in lobotomies, 
And our sources for this case are the Lobotomist PBS documentary, also Encyclopedia Britannica, Mental Floss, and there might be one more, and if there is, I mention it later, but I can't remember. It might just be those three. Hmm. Stay tuned to find out. Oh, yeah, and there's something coming up real soon that Spence is going to appreciate. So if you want to know what that is, keep listening. Can't wait for that. I appreciate all of it, but some things (laughs) more so. Oh. Yeah. So here we go. Our boy, Walter Jackson Freeman II. Like we said, he was born November 14th, 1895 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And just a little fun note, on November 14th, 2014... Exactly 119 years after Walter Jackson Freeman II was born, Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas movie was released in theaters. Holy fuck. That, which event was more significant? <laughs> which one do you uh, think that the guy from Shutter Island, as be, as he's being, you know, dragged away? Which is closer to that? This guy well, who was a lobotomist or Kirk well, Cameron's Well, they were going to lobotomize him in that movie. But isn't that exactly. movie a lobotomy in a way? But that's what I was wondering. That's what I'm not yeah, sure. Both things end with people with uh, ice picks through their eyes. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> so Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas, of course, one of the greatest movies of all time, sitting at a 1.4 out of 10 on IMDb. <laughs> hey, what's, and, what's Chili Cartel got? <laughs> and real quick... Actually, I'll just post it to you guys. The poster for it is fucking insane. I remember the poster. It is fucking insane. Well, while that picture is loading, I do want to read what this movie's about real quick, and then I promise we're going to jump back into the case. But uh, Kirk is enjoying the annual Christmas party extravaganza thrown by his sister until he realizes he needs to help out Christian, his brother-in-law, who has a bad case of the Bah Humbugs. Kirk's fresh look at Christmas provides Christian the chance to see Christ is where he has always been, at the center of our Christmas celebrations and traditions. Can Kirk save his in-laws' opinions on Christmas, or will he have to celebrate the holiday without him? Right under the title, Saving Christmas, it says, Put Christ Back in Christmas. Oh, you know, of fucking course that's what the tagline is. Yeah. Kirk Cameron's in, like, badass military... (laughs) Like, uh, what is it? Uh, Gears of War font. <laughs> and he's like holding like like he just caught the fucking snitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the candy cane is his fucking broom. But, dude, um, when that movie came out, it got such negative reviews and everyone was shitting on it. So Kirk Cameron, he went to his Facebook page and he made this post. Quote, help me storm the gates of Rotten Tomatoes. All of you who love Saving Christmas, go rate it at Rotten Tomatoes right now and send the message to all the critics that we decide what movies we want our families to see. If 2,000 of you, out of almost 2 million on this page, take a minute to rate Saving Christmas, it will give the film a huge boost and more will see it as a result. Thank you for all your help and support in putting the joy of Christ back in Christmas. And of course, everyone went to Rotten Tomatoes and did the exact opposite. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And now the last thing to mention about this horseshit of a movie. The budget was estimated to be about $500,000. And because of all, like, no offense, I'm I'm not religious, but there's a lot of nutty Christian people that really like Kirk Cameron. 
Kirk Cameron's salary was four hundred fifty thousand dollars. It, it really probably was. This movie made two point seven million. Oh Jesus! Fuck. Hell yeah, very profitable. <laughs> Huge success. Please don't do a sequel. <laughs> I met Kirk Cameron. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was telling me in secret. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, didn't you go to his uh, bass recital last week? <laughs> <laughs> No, hey, Kev, I just kind of look like him. <laughs> I went to the uh, Christian Film Festival down in San Antonio that he was one of the guest speakers at, and I got my picture with Kirk Cameron. Nice. Holy shit. Do you yeah. have the picture? Uh, it's in my old Facebook that I deleted, but I think I have it downloaded somewhere. Oh, my God. We kind of need that. I'll see if I can find it. Is is he a nice dude? Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's a nice... Yeah. I, mean, I, I assumed he was nice, but I didn't know if he was someone who was just yeah. like... It was nice to get your picture taken with, anyway. Yeah. What's the cr- the crocoduck? Is that? Yeah, that's pretty silly. I well, mean, that's, that's I, would, I wouldn't call that his like his strongest moment. <laughs> I mean, I, always, I didn't know about that until like after nice... I met him and got my picture taken with him, though. So, alrighty, sorry about that. A little recess we took. Now it's time to uh, go back to our boy Walt. Oh, right, true crime. I was kind of hoping one of you guys would do the Walt. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I'll edit that in, dude. Previously on Lost. We're going to have to take the boy. I'm not giving you anybody. No! 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 Walt! <laughs> 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 so, Black Ron. It really is Black Ron. Yeah, dude. So, uh, Walt, Walter Freeman... His father, Walter Jackson Freeman I, he was in, I'm going to mispronounce this, Otalaran Java. Uh, Guantanamo. Guantanamo. Guant- Guant- he had the cock meat sandwich there. <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> Otalaran Gallet. I don't know. He's an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Mm. Let me, I'm going to po- post it to you, Spence, see if you can pronounce that. I don't think I've ever heard the word. Otolaryngologist? That sounds good. Sounds better than. My eye was like oats, uh, oats, oats, Quaker bag oats. of oats, <laughs> Wilford Brimley. <laughs> <laughs> so he is an ear, nose, and throat doctor. That's that's our dude's father, and his grandfather, William Williams Keen, oh, fuck which yeah. is an awesome name, that's by the way. Name. Uh, by the way, I am Kevin Kevin Green, oh. and uh, <laughs> so William Williams Keen, he was a surgeon as well. And a cool note about him, he was a surgeon in the Civil War, and he would end up in total treating like six presidents, U.S. presidents. Hashtag law, man. So fuck yeah, dude. He comes with, from a pretty respected family in regards to medical practice. So here's a quote from the Encyclopedia Britannica. Quote, Freeman did not express a strong interest in medicine in his youth, but after receiving a bachelor's degree in 1916 from Yale... He enrolled as a medical student at the University of Pennsylvania and earned a medical degree in 1920. He subsequently worked as an intern in pathology at the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania and in 1923 traveled to Europe to study neurology. Upon his return to the United States the following year, Freeman took a position as the director of laboratories at St. Elizabeth's Hospital, then a leading psychiatric institution in Washington, D.C., so we will get into some more details on that, but that's just a general summary of of uh, the beginning of his career. Absolutely. So at first, though, Freeman, he didn't like working in the medical field. He said that his, quote, perception of the hospital's patient wards was marked by disgust and fear. 
And later, he described mental disorders and the fate of affected individuals as a social tragedy, and he came to believe that such disorders arose from organic causes, such as abnormal neuronal function, rather than from unconscious mental processes, as was emphasized by psychoanalysis. So he thought that it was something physical that was causing mental illness. Absolutely. So now we come to 1924, or according to some other sources, 1926, when Walter moves to Washington, D.C., and he begins his practice as the first neurologist in D.C. And it's a little confusing because he is mentioned as working at a lot of places at the same time, but it's also mentioned that during this time, he is teaching for free at the U.S. Naval Medical School and also at Georgetown University. Oh, fuck yeah, Spence. Spence just sent the picture of him and Kirk. And also there's people in the background that are looking like offended that they weren't invited to be part of the picture. I didn't, want, I didn't want you guys to see me, but yeah. Dude, I didn't <laughs> want you guys to see me. Fuck yeah, dude. And also in 1926, he was appointed a professor of neurology and chair of the neurology department at George Washington University. And by 28 years old, he was the youngest lab director in St. Elizabeth's history. Wow. So he's achieving some stuff, I doing say, some well, good I'm stuff. In. And now back to about how Walter was negatively affected by all the shit that he was seeing at St. Elizabeth's Hospital. St. Elizabeth's had become a, quote, dumping ground for those suffering from agitated depression, dementia, psychosis, and listeners of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, guys. Uh, (laughs) That's what they deserve. Uh, for listening to this podcast. You knew what you guys were getting into. (laughs) We had a disclaimer. Yeah, you jerks. You fuckers. Fucking perverts. (laughs) Exactly. And Freeman even wrote later that as he wandered the wards, he was filled with a weird mixture of fear, disgust, and shame, all making him feel nauseous. And the super sad part about this place, too, is like, you didn't have a choice. If you were dumped or left here, you were just stuck here. There wasn't really a way out. Uh, During that time, there was no treatment and nothing that they could really do to help. They're just like, you're crazy. So they would drop you off at a mental institute and you were just pretty much just fucked there for the rest of your life. Still sounds like you might be talking about the podcast. Yeah, actually. And that was about the time that Walter, he would come here. or he would go there and become the youngest lab director in the hospital's history. And the way that the hospital is described in the documentary, the closest representation that we have to it, I would say, would probably be that dance scene in Good Burger. Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) That song, dude? Yeah. Where the... uh, That Funkadelic song where they're all fucking dancing and they They sneak out. They use that to escape. Like, I like how (laughs) the fucking guards just start dancing. Yeah, dude, doesn't the old... The old dude just jump out a fucking window or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, he just jumps it out. Like, how did they know the guards were going to start dancing? I don't know, dude. We're just going to have to, because that actually happened. Yeah. So we just got, we're going to have to ask him. Hey, check out the coops. Aren't they something? Hey, uh, the old dude, they're putting shark poison in our sauce. <laughs> how fuck? Dude, just, he's uh, just a guy from Godfather. He's fucking in Godfather. <laughs> that old dude. What? Why was he in Good Burger? I don't fucking know. 
like nostalgia critic cracks a joke about him just wandering on the scene and they're like yeah just leave him in oh fuck dude imagine how fucking ridiculous it would be if like wendy's and mcdonald's they're feuding and people from wendy's snuck into mcdonald's and put fucking shark poison in their sauce <laughs> like all these people die dude, imagine imagine a wendy's having like an opening like fucking mondo burger did though <laughs> mondo burger like how many people were there for the opening of that it's literally uh, just a fucking fast food restaurant. Dude, those fucking suits, though. Remember how uh, big that burger is at the end? <laughs> so big. Going into the uh, grinder. Oh, God. We could talk about Good Burger forever, Tim, but unfortunately, we do have to move on. Uh, so here is a quote from Mental Floss. Quote, before the appearance of Thorazine and other effective psychiatric drugs in the mid-1950s, Mental hospitals were often massively overcrowded, and many patients were held for decades on end. In Freeman's native Philadelphia, for instance, the state hospital was known to house roughly 75% more patients than its approved capacity. Wow. Yeah, this next part is uh, pretty fucked up. In 1948, a writer by the name of Albert Dutch, that's probably not how you pronounce his last name, maybe it is, but he would visit the hospital... And he described his visit, saying it reminded him of, quote, of the pictures of Nazi concentration camps. Mm. And he also described, did you just chuckle, Primo? No, I said, mm-hmm. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, so, I would never laugh at this. Is Spence tickling the bottom of those feet, Tim? Is that why you had that little <laughs> chuckle going? Well, it's something else. Guilty but, uh, as uh, charged. <laughs> and he also described the rooms as, quote, swarming with naked humans herded like cattle and treated with less concern. And the documentary shows pictures, and it real it's pretty fucked. Yeah, it's just people. There's like ten people laying in in like one bed. They're all like some of them are naked, just on the floor, curled up under the bed and shit. It's uh pretty fucked up. Jesus, hashtag wild man. <laughs> so, uh, are you gonna rate the podcast five stars now? <laughs> uh, yes, I swear. Good. All right, thanks, Kevin's dad. You can let him go now. (laughs) So now we're going to go back uh, to before that, back to the 1930s. And Freeman, he had started using oxygen therapy as treatment for mental illness, which is uh, actually what my mom would do whenever she was stressed out and annoyed by the family and life. She would turn on the television, switch to the oxygen channel, and then watch the true crime reality Snapped, which was about like different females that would snap and end up killing and murdering their families and husbands and all that. My mom always watched that, so I'd always be like, oh, hey, mom, what you watching? Snapped. (laughs) Oh, even more fun than that. In 1938... Freeman, he would begin using electroshock therapy to treat those with a mental illness. So, hell yeah, shock those fuckers. Yeah, I like that. I've never seen it go wrong. Never. No, dude, usually you come out with powers. Yeah, man. ask Jamie Foxx, man. Yeah, dude, he was the best. That was his greatest movie. Best. <laughs> oh my God. The best. Yeah. So, uh, what What do you think meant more to him? Uh, his role in Django? Or... <laughs> What do you think meant more to Marvel? The middle Spider-Man universe. <laughs> like, like, what meant more to <laughs> Marvel? Middle. Did Marvel, like, make more money from Infinity War or, or fucking that movie? <laughs> was that Incredible Spider-Man 2? Is that which one? That uh, amazing. 
Spider-Man. Or Amazing Spider-Man yeah. 2, whatever, yeah. Dude, you guys about? remember fucking Paul Giamatti is in it, and he's For the like fucking rhino? <laughs> he was like a second. And like they were like acting like, oh, that's going to be the third movie, but then we're like, yeah. well, there's not going to be a third movie. And it was just like a suit. He wasn't oh, like was... a big dude. He was. It was just a suit. I think at that point they knew there wasn't going to be a third movie. Yeah, like they could have thrown anybody out there. It just had to be Paul yeah. Giamatti. <laughs> like fuck, man. We need, we need to sabotage this movie. We don't want to do a part three. We have everything filmed, but like the last two percent. What can we do to get this canceled? Uh, well, I have Paul Giamatti's phone number. <laughs> that was the last scene, dude. He thought he was playing Spider Man. <laughs> Uh, he he comes, still thought it when they were filming he, that comes, scene. he still comes out all blue. <laughs> You're probably wondering why I'm wearing blue and orange. Dude, it's fucked uh, up that that's the only thing I know him from. Big Fat Liar. BFL. Biffle. 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 Dude, I love <laughs> Big Fat Liar. That's such, that's, that's such a good movie. Dock in the city and the night is wild. <laughs> do, 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 do. Dude, that movie's fucking it's good. It's a great movie. Um, I had a joke right here, but it was going to be for Tooth. I don't know if you guys... Uh, would fully get it, but it was going to be right after the electroshock therapy. It goes, shock the fuckers, yeah. But then one day, it finally hit Walter Jackson Freeman II, and it all made sense. The planets aligned, just like when the Dark Carnival came to Joseph Bruce and informed him of the six Joker's guards. Yeah, we were never going to get that joke. Is that an ICP reference? Yes, it is, my dude. Yes, it is. Oh, did I tell you guys? Oh, yeah, I sent you a picture that I bought the Psychopathic Mystery Box. I did see that. I wished that I had it. It's actually a fucking good deal. It's 25 bucks. I got two T-shirts, two CDs, uh, a DVD, a bandana that dog is wearing, and then a sticker. And the DVD was Family Underground. Mm-hmm. Family Underground is it, um, is questionably possibly better than Grizzly Man. I feel like unless it's so I feel like unless they paid you, you paid too much. <laughs> family family Underground is shit. I love when Tooth acts out the fireworks guy. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> I can't do it. How many of the items you received had Hatchet Man on them? Probably all. Of them. Uh, no, just one actually. Oh, wow. No, I think two. One shirt and then. Yeah, I gave the CDs to Andrew immediately. Understandably so, yeah. So, okay, so back to this. I'm sorry. So our boy Walt Freeman, he learned about frontal lobe ablation. I think it's lobe. I wrote love, and that sounds weird. Sounds like it's right. He learned about frontal love, and he hoped to one day practice it. Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) Sounds like my life. But he was afraid of the amount of abrasion involved. (laughs) (laughs) I could hurt the tip of my penis. I don't. What if I get a splitter? We're like, what are you fucking, Mr. Freeman? <laughs> he had one of those wooden horses. Well, they said it was called a beaver. <laughs> he has one of those wooden fish instrument things where you run that stick down the back. <laughs> All right, it's guys. It's a tooth called a twofer. Let's stop talking about me. Let's keep going with the podcast, guys. <laughs> Sorry. So the frontal lobe ablation, which is the surgical removal of the tissue of the frontal lobe, quote, I also wrote frontal love right here again. Okay, I feel like you did this on purpose. Okay, so frontal lobe ablation is a technique that had been used on chimpanzees in task performance experiments. Following ablation, one of the animals in the study experienced reduced agitation upon making an incorrect choice during a memory task, although the operation made the other chimpanzee in the study more agitated. 
So I so there were two chimpanzees (laughs) in the whole scientific experiment, and the other one. (laughs) Hey guys, we're fifty fifty. Let's go with it. It worked. Yeah, it worked in the one. He's less agitated. Oh, the other one. Yeah, he's way more pissed off. (laughs) He was less agitated because he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) The good news is though he can fly and battle. Never mind. It's gonna be a Powerpuff Girls joke. Uh, oh, dude, did you know that um, the voice of Mojo Jojo is the voice of uh, Ghostface and Scream? No, I oh. did not know that. That is amazing. Let me look that up to make sure, but I think so. Holy fuck. Yeah, Roger L. Jackson yeah, is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fucking incredible. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. That's amazing. Can't wait to tell my sister. So, in the documentary, one of the cases of Williams that is covered happened in January of 1946. So, we are going to be skipping around some dates um, to tell some of these stories, some of these cases. But this one, a 29-year-old woman by the name of Ellen Lanesco, she was brought into the hospital to meet with Dr. Freeman. And Ellen, she is a housewife and a mother, and she has a 6-year-old daughter named Angeline. And in the documentary, Angeline is telling the story, so she's an adult now, which I, I... the documentary came out in, in 2008, so I'm guessing it was probably around then when she told the story. Yeah. But Angeline said that her mother was always a little aloof, and everyone just accepted her as being that way, being like, oh, that's just mommy. She's just being mommy. But then she got worse and worse. She became incredibly depressed, and she would stay in bed for days. And then she said that her mother once pointed up to the ceiling and said, do you see those wires? That's what they torture me with. Hmm. So that's pretty creepy. Yeah. And then after this point, she started getting more aggressive and violent, and she even tried to smother and kill her daughter, Angeline, with a pillow. So she's six years old. Imagine how fucking terrifying that would be. Yeah, it sounds horrible. So this is what led them to taking her in to see Dr. Freeman. And there's a creepy part in the documentary where they show, like, before and after pictures of her mom. And in the one, she's just staring ahead, like, fucking dead. And then afterwards, she gets this little, like, Pennywise smile I don't know. It's just really creepy. So they don't exactly know what Dr. Freeman did to her, but he uh, he takes her and does a procedure. And then after the procedure, they said that she had changed dramatically and never mentioned suicide again. And her daughter claims that like Dr. Freeman like fixed her. She gave me my my mom back pretty much. You're going to find stories where people think this dude's like a fucking legit hero. Yeah. And like saved people and stuff. And then you get people that are on the opposite side. Is it about 50-50? Just like the chimpanzee experiment. It all comes back. Sounds like it. Hmm. But yeah, 50-50, we'll see. This procedure that he did, he had only perfected a couple weeks before. All right? And Ellen, she was the first patient to undergo this surgery. And this wonderfully fun and colorful procedure was known as transorbital lobotomy. He would first have the patient rendered unconscious through the use of the electro-electric compulsive shock machine. And um, so first he would shock them until they were like fucking unconscious. And um, real quick, though, while watching this documentary, the subtitles on it are kind of fucked. And whenever they say electric compulsive shock machine, the subtitles said the use of electric and Bolshevik machine. Fuck is Bolshevik. Um, Like the starters Russian. The communist uh, Russian people who started (laughs) communism with Stalin. Well, hell yeah. yeah, dude. It was like the Russian uh, social party. Yeah, it just became the communist party. But when we learned about that in sixth grade, 
whenever we'd get pissed off, like our teacher would be like, all right, you guys have a test today. We'd be like, oh, that's Bolshevik. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, they're yeah. basically like the typical Bernie supporter today. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Feel the burn, baby. Dude, um. Bernshevik. <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that. So, so Freeman, he would zap the fuck out of these people. And then while they're unconscious for a couple of minutes, he would peel back their eyelids, stick this fucking ice pick thingy through part of the eye socket, and then he would hit that with a fucking hammer. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Here's a quote from How Stuff Works that words it a little bit nicer than that, though. Quote, after going through the top of the eye socket, Freeman could enter the brain just by tapping lightly on the orbitoclast with the hammer to break through the thin layer of bone. Then he twirled it to cut through the fibers. After pulling out the orbitoclast, the procedure was repeated on the other side. The transorbital lobotomy took less than 10 minutes. That's both eyes doing this shit. It took them less than 10 minutes. I'm sure it did. And the orbitoclast was the name of the ice pick that was invented by Dr. Walter Freeman. Although one of the guys in the documentary said like the very first times they were doing it, they legit just got the ice pick from one of the dude's freezers. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, fuck, yeah, dude. I'm sure that was uh, sterile. So this dude, he would take the ice pick, hammer it through the skull, wiggle the pick in the brain to sever the frontal lobes, and then he would pull the pick out and do it to the other side. So that's like, that's fucking nuts. And then, of course, when the patient woke up, their eyes are all black and all puffy and just real fucked up. So he would give them dark glasses to wear to, like, cover it up. Like I said, what what, uh, Ellen's daughter said after that procedure, not word for word, but she's like, he gave me my mother back. I had a mother again, and he gave me hope that everything would be better, and it was. So, like, she really fucking liked this dude. Like, he was a hero to her, pretty much. Yeah. So that was a success story. Now we're going to get into some of the main shit about this dude. Oh, we don't have any, anything more from her? No, that was pretty much it. Oh, wow. I'd imagine that would have gotten worse. Um, A lot of them do get worse. We'll talk about it. Yeah. But that that interview with her was, like, a re- like when the documentary was made. Oh, wow. I think. I mean, it, it appeared that way. So the thing about Dr. Freeman is he had good intentions and he wanted to fix the problems of psychiatry and fix them fast. And this was another joke for Tooth because it is lyrics from an ICP song. But sometimes we quote, got good intentions, maybe bad ideas, like fucking fine neddens laced with gonorrhea. (laughs) That is uh, pretty good lyrics. I forget what song, but it's from Violent J's solo album. Check it out. And like we mentioned earlier, Freeman, being a neurologist, he believed that it was physical defects in the brain that was causing mental illnesses, and that was pretty much behind his entire theory. And since the brain was made up of different lobes that control different parts of the body, he began to experiment with different therapies and, and experiments to see what all was working. And it wasn't just Freeman either. There were scientists that would do some pretty fucked up stuff, like they would overdose patients until they were knocking on death's door and then just being like, well, let's try this and see if this works. And a lot of patients pretty much were just tortured just to see what would work and what wouldn't. Yeah, that's, that's terrifying. Yeah. However, when it came to shock therapy, it sometimes seemed to work. Like, it didn't cure any diseases or anything, but it would sometimes stop symptoms that patients had, and they would be able to function somewhat normally for a brief while. But it always seemed to like just go back. It's like a temporary thing. Like, oh, we shocked the fuck out of him. Now he's not having seizures, but he will be in like a month. But this was also in the 1930s when they were doing this and trying everything out. But because of the results of the shock therapy, this only pushed Freeman even further. 
And he always believed that he was destined for great things, much like his father and grandfather. And then this is just straight from the wiki. Quote, on November 12th, 1935, a new psychosurgery procedure was performed in Portugal under the direction of a, neuro- of a neurologist and physician, Igas Moniz. His new leucotomy procedure intended to treat mental illness. He would take small corings of the patient's frontal lobes. Moniz became a mentor and idol of Freeman who modified the procedure and renamed it to the lobotomy. So this dude in Portugal, he was doing his own lobotomy. It was, uh, he called leucotomy or something like that. But he would pretty much take like a tiny piece of the brain out of the frontal lobe. And so this Moniz dude, he did his experiments on like 20 patients. And by doing this, he was able to rid one third of them of their symptoms, like by doing his lobotomies. As to why it worked on a third of them, he never had a good theory as to why. Um, scientists believe that the origins of mental illness was somewhere in the frontal lobe, so they would just fuck around with it, being like, hey, what if I take a piece of this frontal lobe out? Will that work? And this guy, out of 20 patients, it worked on like six. So he's like, hey, I'm on to something. They actually made a, pain- they made a painting of him. A painting? Yeah. Do you guys, this is Simona Nisa. Okay, fuck yeah, dude. They, I was, I was, I was hoping you guys would just stop. Leonardo da Vinci made a painting. I was hoping you guys would just stop me and kick me out the podcast of that one, but yeah, (laughs) you want to be kicked off our first (laughs) uh, real episode back. Well, it's better than my joke. Mine is going to be Moniz. Out of those twenty patients, he was able to rid one third of them, so two thirds of them didn't. And somehow that was supposed to lead me into saying last week I fucked around and got a triple double, which doesn't make any sense. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense. But they noticed how in some soldiers or patients that had frontal head injuries, they seemed to change. And so I guess that's why part of their theory on why they did it was like, oh, that guy got fucking hit in the head and now he's acting all fucking loopy. So... That's got to be the cause of his mental illness, his frontal lobe. So let's take pieces of that out and see what happens. But Freeman, he changed the procedure. So instead of taking those little corings from the frontal lobes of the brain, he would stick this ice pick thingy down inside, and he would sever the connection between the lobes and the thalamus. I mean, could he see that while he was doing it? Or is he just kind of feeling his way there? Uh, he's just, he couldn't, s- well... This that's this what he's way, trying to do. He's trying to sever the connection. Yeah, from back then they they probably yeah. just, from I their mean, minds they knew they were going there. I mean, if some kind of like goo came running out the hole, they probably call it good. So Freeman, he is super excited now. This could be his mark. He was going to be the first neurologist in the U.S. to attempt these procedures to attempt this lobotomy. And since it was way back then, he was allowed to attempt pretty much any procedures he wanted. And patients back then were pretty accepting of wild treatments because they didn't have anything else. So they're like, yeah, fuck it. If that'll get me out of the hospital, let's try it. But Freeman, he's not even a surgeon. He's a neurologist. So he would have to hire James Watts, a young neurosurgeon, to do the procedure. Isn't he a football player? (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. He would just tackle the fucking pieces of brain out of him. And they chose their first living patient to do this procedure on. She was a 63-year-old woman named Alice Hammett, and this was the reason she needed to have an ice pick jammed into her brain. She had insomnia, anxiety, and depression. 
Oh, I was waiting for more. Nope, that's it. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So, so obviously, thing, ice pick. The thing that every <laughs> every single person in the world has. Okay, great. But at this point, since this is in 1936, they're not doing the actual ice pick through the um through the eye socket thing. The way they're doing it now, because this is before that, it's fucking wild. They just cut her head open pretty much, make incisions, and then they would just insert this little spatula-looking thing in there. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. And once again, it's different than the way Moniz did. Freeman is like pushing the limits, and he would have James just sever the connection between the frontal lobe and the thalamus instead of taking little pieces out. And then four hours after the surgery... Alice Hammett, the first patient to receive a lobotomy in the United States, she woke up with no anxiety or previous symptoms. It was a success. Pretty cool. Hmm. And next, they decided, hey, let's do some fucking more lobotomies in private practice. And they did like six or seven more. And then a few months later, the patients, they started to relapse. And so they would do a second operation on the patient and sometimes a third. Jesus. And no joke, then they were like, well, maybe we need to take some cues from the patient while doing the surgery so we can see how they react. So they started doing it while the patient was still conscious. Oh, fucking Jesus. Hashtag wild man. Hashtag wild man. <laughs> That's so fucked. A third lobotomy? Second and third lobotomy? How fucked is that? I, I don't understand why I don't. We, we just, just started doing this right now. I mean. Yeah. I watched the movie Parker in the theater to the very end. That feels like it's That's pretty close to a third lobotomy. Yeah. And you also watched <laughs> 37 meters down. 47 so, meters down, actually. Yeah, oh, so, so yeah. Even deeper than we thought. So you, you probably have had... Yeah, food. it was a deeper movie than yeah. Tim's giving it credit for. <laughs> I, yeah, because I just need to remember that title. We didn't go see the sequel, though. That's the main thing to take away. We did learn our lesson. You can teach old dogs new tricks. <laughs> I like this. This is good. We're bonding. But we went and saw Midsummer, <laughs> Or as a, some of us like to call it, July. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> stupid. None of this is saying it, it's fine. Uh, but that movie's fucking That's exactly trash. fucking it's right. Fucking trash. <laughs> we do call it July. And it's easier to say. So in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the lobotomy, like whenever they were doing it while still keeping the patient conscious, Freeman would tell the patient to count backwards. So he would have them do mental tasks, and they'd be like, "Okay, we're fucking around with the brain, and we'll just ha- ask them questions and see how they react to it." Then you'd be like, okay, now start reciting the Lord's Prayers. And then after about a dozen lobotomies, he's like, oh, well, this is all a success. Lobotomies work, even though they don't actually fully cure the patient. But it was good enough in his eyes to have them released from the asylum. Keep in mind, most of these people are just the ones that are successes. They usually seem to fuck up after a couple months and just go right back to how they were. Plus, he's just like, just kind of fucking with the brain, you know? Yeah, he doesn't know why he's doing what he's doing. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't. He's just like, the theory is, well, the frontal lobe is what affects mental illness, so let's just fuck with it. Let's just stab it and poke it. Really, what I'm getting from this is, I'm just glad that I didn't live in this time. Let's treat the front of their brain like it's an open court of Ben and Jerry's. (laughs) Or a bop it. It seems like that's what they were doing. Twist it. it. 
uh, fuck it, Dad, it doesn't even say that. Come on, fuck it, Dad. I took the batteries out. Twist it, fuck it, God. Now smell it. Smell it, boy. No, I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, so good. So yeah, the, as you can probably guess, there were a lot of side effects. Most of them couldn't do their normal social life, and lots of them had no energy or just couldn't walk anymore. Some uh, behaved like a child, and they had to learn how to walk again and become toilet trained again. Some just couldn't stop eating. And it became obvious that these patients were not the same people anymore. They were all fucked up. But hey, no more anxiety for a couple months, right? Yeah. And then soon after, Freeman announced, he said, Hey, listen up, you motherfuckers. We have a new cure for mental illness. And this pissed people off because after seeing how people were acting, they're like, well, this is pretty fucked up. Like, they're coming out of procedures, like kind of like zombies sometimes or like mentally disabled children, even though they're like 40-year-old people. To which Freeman replied, he's like, hey, come on. It takes years to fully evaluate these patients after the surgery. But then people started writing about how he saved their lives and like how great he was, how mental illness finally had a cure, all that stuff. And he was constantly talking with with the media and and newspapers. I mean, like, come out and see the surgery. I'll show you how show you how I do it. And he was really like a showman about it all. New York Times even referred to his methods as surgery for the soul. Yeah. And one headline read, Surgeon's Knife Restores Sanity to Nerve Victims. Yeah, but that's the New York Times. I mean, come on. That is true. Who's going to pay attention to that? I'm, I, you know what? I might even have them delivered to me. Well, have, you get architectural <laughs> yeah. digest. I have so many things delivered to me, I wouldn't even know. Tim Primo gets <laughs> architectural digest and golfers something or other. Yeah. And I, I didn't Golf do that. magazine. I didn't do that myself. Golf. So. It probably gets delivered. I wouldn't know. He golfs every day. Oh, you golf every day, Tim? What are you, our president? Uh... <laughs> yeah, you guys know. You guys know what I do. I, I just, I'm just at the gym doing reps. You guys know That's this. right. So they call me Jeffrey Epstein. Reps. We, uh, can, we, can we admit, though, like, as much as uh, everyone hates Trump and as much as he sucks, Anytime he says something to Elizabeth Warren or like calls her Pocahontas or something, that's always funny. I don't, I don't even hate Trump. He's fu- He's fucking hilarious, dude. He's so fucking funny, dude. Yeah. I legit oh, yeah. was sad. He's very funny. I was actually sad when he got booed at that yeah. baseball game. He got cheered in something recently, though. <laughs> oh, he gets cheered all the time, yeah. too, at other things. Yeah, bingo halls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit so here's a sad story uh speaking of presidents of the united states in 1941 dr freeman gets a call from joseph p kennedy the united states ambassador to the united kingdom well joseph here he became concerned about his eldest daughter rosemary which of course was the sister of future president john f kennedy and uh, JFK would actually get a lobotomy of a different kind later on. That's, that's not funny. I'm sorry about that. That's not even funny. And who um, exactly did it has never been fully decided. It was the comedian. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we all knew who it was. He keeps, he keeps junk, jumping back in time. Andrew. No, <laughs> but Andrew would tell the tale. I was just, dude, uh, yeah. fuck, what's his name? I, uh, did, I don't remember his name either, but uh, Andrew would remember. 
I can, it's coming to me. Rico Harris. Yeah, Rico Harris. Yep. That poor guy. He's jumping back in time and killing people. <laughs> That's what Andrew logged in as the one episode he was in here. <laughs> it was Rico Deco Harris. Rest in peace, Rico. So, Rosemary Kennedy, she was said to have been slow from birth, and she had began acting erratically. She would throw fits, and she would run away from home. And they said she was kind of, like, slower. So I don't exactly know what was wrong with her. But in pictures, I mean, she looks like a cute girl. She sounds like a normal girl, but maybe just a little bit slower. So this is pulled from the wiki about her. Quote, Rosemary was intellectually disabled and was educated separately from other students. However, she was able to travel and to participate in social functions with her family. Kennedy was presented to King George VI and Queen Elizabeth at Buckingham Palace in 1938. In her early young adult years, Kennedy experienced seizures and violent mood swings. I mean, it doesn't sound like there was a whole lot wrong with her. I mean, they say she was a little bit slower, but back then, who knows, because people were getting lobotomies if they were sad, <laughs> you know? This, this joke isn't funny, but uh, you said she ran away from home a yeah. lot. But she was slower. Yeah, that's why they caught her. They should have caught up with her. <laughs> that's not funny. That's not funny. But but here's the thing. Since uh, since Joe P., uh, Joseph P. Kennedy, he was worried that Rosemary would end up getting pregnant or contracting an STD or something that would make the family look bad. That's what he was worried about. So he searched far and wide for the best medical advice out there, and everyone told him, like, man... You need to give that girl lobotomy. That would probably work. No, that'll surely work. She needs a lobotomy. So at the age of 23, Rosemary Kennedy would become Freeman's 66th lobotomy patient. And the results are pretty bad. Post-operation, she was seriously disabled. She had to live... Remember, this is just a girl who was a little bit slower. But she got a, her dad made her get a lobotomy because he was worried about her getting pregnant pretty much. She had to live under full-time care for the rest of her remaining days. And the extra cherry on top of this shit Sunday, Joseph didn't even tell his wife that he was making Rosemary get a lobotomy until after the procedure was already done. What a dick. That is so fucked. Here's uh, James Watts, uh, the surgeon. This is his summary of the procedure. Quote, we went through the top of the head. I think Rosemary was awake. She had a mild tranquilizer. I made a surgical incision in the brain through the skull. It was near the front. It was on both sides. We just made a small incision, no more than an inch. The instrument Dr. Watts used looked like a butter knife. He swung it up and down to cut brain tissue. We put an instrument inside, he said, as Dr. Watts cut. Dr. Freeman asked Rosemary some questions. For example, he asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer or sing God Bless America or Count Backwards. We made an estimate on how far to cut based on how she responded. When Rosemary began to become incoherent, they stopped. That's how they were basing the surgery. Wow. <laughs> so it's a super sad and pretty fucked up story. Um, her mental capacity had diminished to that of a two-year-old child. She could no longer walk or speak intelligibly, and she also was pissing herself. She couldn't control that anymore either. So they just ruined this fucking girl's life. She would end up living to the age of 86, passing away from natural causes January 7th, 2005. Holy so she lived a long time. Fuck, but, she lived that long? But she lived as like 
Basically, uh, like a like I don't want to say a, a word, a f- but yeah, like a fucked up vegetable two year old. I was gonna much. say vegetable, yeah, but that's fucked. Yeah, we just kept cutting until she didn't speak intelligibly anymore. Like that's how they base the surgery. So, but who knows how many people ended up getting fucked up because of these surgeries either. Now, by 1942, this is from the wiki, the duo had performed over 200 lobotomy procedures and had published results claiming that 63% of patients had improved, 24% were reported to be unchanged, and then 14% were worse after surgery. But then again, who knows how, how accurate those are either. So now we fast forward to the mid-1940s. This is about 10 years after Freeman started doing the lobotomies. And up until now, he was having the head cut open and doing full-on surgery for the procedures. But he then started hearing about a doctor in Italy that was doing the lobotomies, but he would do it on the operating table, like sticking the needle through the patient's eye sockets. So it was in the mid-1940s when he started doing that. And this would be the moment that led Freeman to creating a new procedure called transorbital lobotomy. And this is also when he created that ice pick device that he would use for the procedure. And since this procedure wasn't an actual surgery, it wouldn't require a surgeon. And so homeboy here, he could just hammer and chisel all day on his own. So he just started fucking doing it on his own. Jesus. Yeah. He's like, well, it's not a surgery. I'm not cutting anyone open. I'm just putting this in through the fucking eye socket. So yeah, he was doing them on his own. And we mentioned it earlier how he did it, but just to reiterate, he would take the ice pick, he would go up through the orbital socket, through the corners of the eye socket, and once it was hammered in, he would move the pick back and forth like a fucking windshield wiper, just like scraping around and severing the lobe, and then he would return it back to the starting position, hold gauze over the eye, and then pull the ice pick out. He would do that to both eyes, and it only took him a couple minutes to do it. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. And then in 1950, Walter Freeman's longtime partner, James Watts, he was the one doing the surgeries for him the other way. He left the practice and split due to opposition saying like, dude, this is pretty fucking cruel. And you're doing so many of these, like it's pretty fucked up. And since uh, Watts thought like, if you're going to be doing this, you need a surgeon, like you're entering the fucking brain. That's pretty serious. But Freeman's like, no, I don't need a surgeon. That's not a real surgery. It's something else. So I can do it. And then it was also in the 1940s when he would travel around to mental hospitals and he would perform these surgeries in front of people and even the media. He wanted to show them like how he did it. And many people started to comment saying he had a perverse need to shock people, but he just liked the attention also. So he would be like, hey, let's all fucking bring the press. Let's fucking do some lobotomies. And he would do this in front of like groups of people. He would just do this. How can he just fucking do that? Yeah, he would do it anywhere. And then they said, like, he would do weird shit during operations also. Like, he would just pull out wood carpenter hammers instead and just start using those instead of his normal hammer just for fun. And they even said one time he was bored, so he started doing them left-handed. Oh, my God. And I don't know why I picture him, like, he's doing it in front of a crowd, and he has, like, the normal hammer, and the crowd's like, (gasps) oh! And then he puts that away, shakes his head no, pulls out a wooden hammer, and they're like, what? And then he shakes his head no, and then pulls out one of those big red plastic wiffle wall bats oh, and does it with that. Yeah. <laughs> he just said no, he just starts hammering it with his dick. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah! <laughs> that's just that one guy cheering, he's my dad. Yeah! That's how, that's how the two foot's created. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. But he was like super proud of this. 
And he would write about how other physicians and doctors would like watch his work and vomit or pass out. Like he thought that was funny shit. There was one day where he did 25 transorbital lobotomies just in one day. Jesus 25. Fuck. And uh, this one dude that Freeman trained, he did 75 in one day. So he's training people to fucking do this too. And he's not even a trained surgeon. Yeah. Like he's just doing the shit on his own. Yeah, that's disgusting. But yeah, people would be like, yeah, I know about the side effects, but like we can, let's just do it. Because if not, then I'm stuck in this fucking mental, mental institute prison for the rest of my life. Like most would rather take a risk and die than be stuck there. But like we said, this is a weird case because some of the procedures were actually seen by people as successes while others like Rosemary Kennedy were huge, sad failures. Here's a few examples of the different, different cases. Some were successes, some were failures. So Freeman first performed his transorbital lobotomy on Ellen Lanesco in 1946. That was the one we mentioned earlier. She was described as being violently suicidal by her daughter. After Ellen's lobotomy, her daughter said it was just peace. It was like turning a coin over that quick. So whatever he did, he did something right. Patricia Moan, who was also suicidal, she was lobotomized by Freeman in 1962. Afterward, Moan said that she, quote, just started living again. And her husband said that he was delighted at the way it turned out. Quote, not all patients were so happy with their life after the lobotomies. This one is pretty fucked. Howard Dully, he was lobotomized by Freeman as a 12-year-old boy in 1960. Fuck, man. Just wait till you hear why. He wasn't mentally ill. His That was he was not mentally ill. His stepmother wanted to change his personality because he was defiant. Dully wasn't told about the operation until like three weeks after it happened. He states that, quote, the surgery damaged me in many ways, but it didn't fix me or turn me into a robot. So my family put me into an institution. He claims that he always felt different, like a freak and ashamed, and he lived in institutions for 10 years and he battled addictions until his 50s. Wow. So he's a 12-year-old boy. His stepmother kept talking to Dr. Freeman about like, oh man, we need to, something needs to happen to him. He's defiant. He doesn't listen. He's a 12-year-old boy whose real mother died. Yeah, that's just what 12-year-old kids do, especially if their real mother died. And he's like, I was, later on, he's like, I was defiant because I felt like this woman was trying to take my mother's place. Like he's a kid and it's just fucking heartbreaking because he reads notes and that she had with Dr. Freeman and in it, his stepmom is like, oh, he always complains about having to go to bed. But when he does fall asleep, he'll sleep for hours. He'll sleep all day. Um, he also will turn the lights on even though it's daytime. And he didn't like to take baths. These were her complaints Holy about why he needed fuck. a lobotomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a fucking ice pick through this kid's eye. And she even said, I wouldn't wish Howard on anybody. Jesus. <sighs> He's a 12-year-old. Like she should be the one getting lobotomized. And then Dr. Freeman said to her, he's like, well, no amount of psychiatric help will do any good for Howard. I recommend a lobotomy. And so that's how this 12-year-old got a lobotomy. Jesus, fuck. A couple more. Other lobotomy patients also experienced negative results. Anita McGee, she was lobotomized by Freeman in 1953 for postpartum depression. Her daughter, Rebecca Welch, describes her mother as, quote, there but not there. Uh, She would then spend the rest of her life in institutions. Beulah Jones was lobotomized in the 1940s due to schizophrenia. 
She heard voices and thought that she was the lost queen of Scotland. Doctors told her family that a lobotomy was needed and that it would take away her violent tendencies. Uh, going back to McGee, though. Yeah. Do you, are you sure she didn't just have depression about seeing her son always on Shaq and the Fool? <laughs> oh, my God, Tim. Fuck yeah. JaVel McGee. JaVel McGee. Sorry. Hey, we see you, JaVel. I'm surprised hey. you didn't crack that joke. Number five, Javel McGee, the piggyback legend is at it again. Number one, baby, it's our boy Javel McGee. He's clearly trying to win an Oscar, but he's too sloppy to flop. Oh my God! Look at him, he's too sloppy to flop. Come on, man. Come on. He's too sloppy to flop. And number five, oh, my boy, no, McGee. Possible. He spins. No, he no, no. Falls. no. He it's throws it. another pass. Oh, no, no, He spins. He throws a no-look pass. Come on, man. Oh, number five, oh, McGee, my oh, boy. Check out the sweet outlet pass. Oh, good no. Good defense, Javel. Oh, good defense. Great pass. Oh, my God. Like, what the heck am I doing? Dude, I love in the Shaq and a Fool when he's like, we got the top five and JaVale McGee, don't you worry, you're not on here. And then he gets to the number one, and I lied, JaVale, JaVale McGee, you are on Shaq and a Fool. I like how JaVale McGee's good. Like, he's not he's not a bad player. Yeah, yeah he's just dumb. Yeah. So back to Beulah Jones that got the lobotomy due to schizophrenia. Her daughter stated that afterwards, quote, there was no change in her behavior other than she lost her higher intellect. She could not sit down and read anymore. She could barely write. She had no long-term memory. And then six months later, she was just as delusional as she was before. And then seeing that the lobotomy didn't work, she was then sent away to a ward that was known for housing untreatable cases. Wow. So, yeah, her mother got a lobotomy for schizophrenia, ended up just losing her some intelligence, just becoming like... She couldn't read and write, and then they're like, well, there's nothing we can do, so let's just put her in a mental ward. Yeah, that was definitely a success. So you remember that Moniz dude that we talked about who originally developed a lobotomy, but it was a different version that Freeman modified? Well, that dude was like Freeman's hero and idol, pretty much. Well, in 1949, Moniz won the Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine. And so that's what led people to being like, well, this dude's fucking does does lobotomies. He just won the Nobel Prize. And so that just let people allow Freeman to keep doing them. Because they're like, well, if the guy who taught him that pretty much, I mean, didn't teach him, but the guy who he learned it from yeah. won the Nobel Prize, and surely he fucking knows what he's doing. And he was looked at as trying to heal and help people. And he did it by going to places where people threw away those that couldn't be helped. Like he would go to overcrowded asylums full of people that were dropped off by their families. I mean, honestly, I don't think like he really did want to help people. I think because he went to places where no one was helping anyone. Yeah. Like he went to overcrowded wards and mental institutions where people were just left to rot and he went there. And I, I really think he was trying to help them. He just, I don't know. He's, just did stupid shit so he originally referred to lobotomies as a procedure of last resort cut my life into pieces this is my last resort this is my last lobotomy until lunch (laughs) till after lunch (laughs) but by the 1950s he would literally do them any place anytime and anywhere like he would just fucking do them 
all the time, doesn't matter where. Like, they tell a story in the documentary about a time when a wife was barricaded in a room with her husband, and her husband had an axe and was threatening threatening to kill her. And then somebody is like, oh, I know that guy. Dr. Freeman is his psychiatrist. So the police call up Dr. Freeman. Freeman comes out to this dude's house, and, and the police, like, force him to come out. And then the police hold this dude down, and Dr. Freeman gives him a lobotomy right there. Holy fuck. And I'll be honest, that's kind of badass. Hashtag, Hashtag wild, wild man. man. <laughs> wow. Only because he was threatening to kill his wife with yeah, an axe. Say, yeah, the I'll police, take that one. Yeah, that one's The fine. police <laughs> fucking hold him down and they just do that. Yeah, hashtag wild. Um, now a couple not so badass stories. Freeman, he was just pretty much able to go into any mental hospital that he wanted to do his thing. He didn't have to consult with the staff, the patients, families, or anything. He could just go in and do whatever the fuck he wanted. Like, they said he could just go in and be like, all right, who here is dealing with so-and-so? And then they would raise their hands, and he would just line them up and fucking do it. They tell about how three of his patients died in the state hospital of Iowa. I don't know if it was... I don't know the stories of them except for the first one. And this isn't funny at all, but what he does kind of makes me laugh. So it's it's sad and not funny, but one of his patients died when he was doing the lobotomy, and the ice pick slipped up too far into the head because he was trying to take a picture while doing the procedure. Holy fuck. <laughs> Jesus so, fuck, Lord. Man. He but, was trying but, to take a goddamn selfie. And what he does is, without pausing, he picks up his shit and just leaves. <laughs> okay. So, okay. so right. he just like quietly and quickly just fucking books it out right. of there. Hashtag wild, man. So, I don't know how the other two died, though. I only, they only talk about that one. the same thing. <laughs> Uh, he once decided to do a fucking tour, so he did. He went through West Virginia on a thirty-day tour where he did two hundred and thirty-eight lobotomies Jesus. in that month. Jesus and they talk- fuck. <laughs> yeah, dude. His favorite place to go was a small town called Lakin, yeah. which was one of his favorite spots because it housed the quote colored criminally insane. Yeah, there's a mental asylum for um for African Americans, poor black people with mental issues that oh, didn't have man. any money. All right, and uh, like that place was so crowded and poor that they're like, yeah, you're on the verge of being shut down. We don't even have sheets, but he would go there and just do his thing. And so people were getting pretty pissed. Like, people were criticizing him. And any time he was criticized, he would say, well, what would you do for these people then? What can you do to help these patients? And at that time, there was no answer. There was nothing anyone could do. Until 1954, when a new drug called Thorazine became a thing. But really, back then, he he was the only one trying something. I mean, I'm not defending him, but I mean, there really was. No one knew of anything else to do. Yeah. But that was really his defense. They'd be like, these people are all fucked up. He's like, well, what would you do then? How can you help them? What would you do to help them? Yeah, that's what I thought, bitch. Sit I down. I mastered the art of shoving an ice pick into their eye socket and <laughs> twirling it around. And you have so- done nothing as you sit on your couch and browse Reddit. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, fuck up. <laughs> Sometimes I fuck up. Sometimes, yeah. like the body just kind of slides down onto the ice pick a little too far because I was <laughs> trying to get my picture taken, and I just <laughs> book it out of there as the body lays there dead, and they're like, yeah. "Edgar." <laughs> I do. I do like to think uh, that he was like trying to take a selfie himself, though. Yeah, dude, slipped. Oh fuck! Oh, 
All right, I'm out of here. Guys, I'm leaving. Yeah, this dude had no family, sadly. But yeah, so Thorazine comes out in 1954, and it was being called um, the pill form of lobotomy without the surgical risk. And then the medical field actually just turned completely against lobotomy surgery. And that was pretty much the end of Freeman's practices because they're like, we don't need you to fucking do that shit anymore. Although he still did some lobotomies, but he wasn't doing them as much before since it was so looked down on. Um, But he does decide to move from the East Coast to the West Coast and start anew in California. And does anyone want to guess how his last um, lobotomy ended? Like his, his career in lobotomy, what was the final one like? Unfortunately, it wasn't Charlie Sheen. (laughs) no he would perform his final lobotomy in 1967 where his patient would have a brain hemorrhage in the middle of the surgery and die on the operating table oh jeez fuck and that was the final point where they're like all right you're done you're not allowed to do anything in the hospital ever again your hospital privileges are over so i'm guessing it was a white guy that happened to (laughs) (laughs) so does anyone want to guess what he does next Cells, pogs. He probably would have been, that probably would have been better off. He actually moves into his van and he drives around the country meeting with previous patients of his so he could record how they were doing so he could prove to people that what he did mattered and he wanted to document his successes. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, none of them could uh, read or write uh, anymore, so... (laughs) They just mostly did scribbles on a notepad. <laughs> and then in May, May 31st, 1972, Walter Freeman died passing away from cancer. Aww. Hashtag wild man. Hashtag wild man. So, I mean, this is a weird one because it's like, I mean, people are dying. I don't see. He's trying to help. He's trying to do a good thing. Yeah. But what's the, I don't know the saying about trying to do good things, but you're still kind of fucking a lot of shit up. Nope, that was probably the saying, word for yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, you just meant, yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yep. I have that actually tattooed in Japanese uh, across my chest. I mean, we all do. There's not a single yeah. person in the world that doesn't. Mine but... is glow in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> actually, in mine, you have to scan it, and it comes out on the computer. It's like a barcode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, dude. But yeah, no, I agree. He was trying to help. Looking back, it seems really stupid, like a lot of it does. Looking back at me. <laughs> That's what 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 song is that? That's cold something. What is that? Didn't a did a wrestler come out to that? Or was it a pay per view? I don't think so. It's that one shitty band. Cold. That's not Coldplay. What's the other one? What I really meant. No. To say yeah. What 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 band is that? <laughs> is I'm sorry for the way I am. What band is that? Never meant to. Um. I don't. God uh, damn it. We what song? I already forget what song we're talking about. Well, it, all those are from the same band. Hemorrhage? It's not Nickelback, is it? No, it's not Nickelback. Uh, Did Hemorrhage sing any of those? No. I don't remember. Crossfade. 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 Oh, that's it. It's Crossfade. None of the sustain, but anyway, yeah, it's Crossfade. <laughs> but no, it, it doesn't seem like he meant to do it. He definitely was trying to help. It seems like he turned kind of dickish in between and was just trying to get yeah. like famous from doing it. Yeah, he he definitely became negligent like when it came to the, I'm just going to fucking do it left-handed this time. Yeah, like that just was just to oh, see what yeah. happened. That was all dickish. That's ridiculous. So I think his original things were trying to help. 
So here's a number from Mental Floss. It said, of the approximately 3,500 lobotomies Freeman performed himself, 490 resulted in fatalities. Wow. I don't know exactly if those numbers are accurate, but yeah, so I mean... I don't know if he was a hero, a monster, a criminal, or a tragic figure, but I think he's definitely a combination of all those things. It was a time when when nobody was really doing anything to help those that were thrown away to rot and die in mental institutions. Some felt that he really did help, and I, I think that he believed he was doing good, but I just... I don't know. It's a lot of people fucking died or got fucked up or became worse because of it. If he would have stopped at those that were just being thrown away, if he would just stopped at that and just helped those people, try to help those people, it would probably be a lot lower. Like he probably would have killed, still killed a lot, but like the number would be a lot lower. What if on his deathbed he's like, maybe we could have tested more than two chimpanzees. <laughs> Perhaps three would have been better. <laughs> I don't know why he turned into the dude from Kung Pao. Let me know if you see a radio shack. (laughs) Fuck that dumbass movie. He died on the top of like a snowy mountain. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, dude. Hey, from Samurai Cop, what's what's a katana? (laughs) It means Japanese sword. (laughs) Dude, Samurai Cop's fucking awesome. They call him Samurai. He speaks fluent Japanese. Are you Fujiyama? What does katana mean? It means Japanese sword. This is actually Um, my first katana. This is actually my (laughs) first katana. It certainly looks quite sharp, doesn't it? Hey, Spence. Tyler. Where he's opening it, he's like, shh, it'll sound weird on the video. It'll sound weird in the video. Hey, watch it! (laughs) We don't have... We don't have pop or naked girls in this house, ever. We've never seen pop or a naked girl in this house. Hey, please, please play video again. The comments are disabled on that video. That's what everybody's saying when they listen to this podcast. So I have uh, one last thing to read, and then that is the end of this episode. And this is an ending quote. I just took it word for word from Britannica because I think it covers it pretty well. Quote, while Freeman's work found many supporters... His courting of the media reflected an arrogance and recklessness that placed many people's lives and health at risk. Of the 3,500 lobotomies he performed or supervised during his career, an estimated 490 individuals died as a result of the treatment. His attitude and fatality rate, combined with his lack of interest in describing a scientific basis for the procedure, left him with little authority in the medical community. That's one in seven. Holy shit. Yeah. So, like, every doctor that doesn't agree with that toothpaste died. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> what out of uh, seven? <laughs> the fucking but, dinosaur uh, commercials. <laughs> but Freeman's desire to help the mentally afflicted, who often lived in mental institutions, where neglect was rampant and a successful return to society was unlikely, by all appearances, genuine. His promotion of lobotomy as a psychiatric treatment at a time when antipsychotic drugs were not widely available for mental disorders also broke important ground for the field of neurosurgery. Dude, it kind of has to be hashtag wild, man. Yeah, kind of, man. I can see that. Like, it kind of has to be. Like, some of the stuff he did was wrong. A lot of it. But, I mean, he did a couple of right things, too. And Timmy has a bachelor's in psychology. I do. 
Kind of has, yeah, kind, kind has to go with hashtag Wadman. I mean, he's definitely not hashtag Mal of Fame. No. Like I said, I mean, the dude, um, shit, haven't you made a mistake? <laughs> dude, <laughs> he messed up a lot. He really did. But he probably did some good, too. Yeah. And you know what? Just letting you guys know, he was he was decent in bed. He was all right, was dude. He, was, mean, he wasn't great. He was oh, that's okay. who that was. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, yeah, Spence doesn't usually get their names. He just kicks them right out. I just take <laughs> just take screenshots of them with yeah. the security camera. He just lets them right in and kicks them right out. <laughs> oh, shit. But, uh, yeah, that is everything on this episode of Walter Jackson Freeman II, a.k.a. the Lobotomist. Do you guys have any uh, comments or anything? It's no. all kinds of fucked up in some ways. Yeah, pretty messed up. I don't know. I guess those people, some of those people didn't need lobotomies. Absolutely, they didn't. Some yeah. of those people had lives that weren't any better than lobotomies before they got lobotomies. I agree. Yeah. If, if he would have stuck to the people that I would say had that were like being like, yeah, I want this. Yeah, agree. But then again, he was only asking like mental patients pretty much. But the ones that were like didn't know or were against or like just like the twelve year old kid. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. JFK's yeah. sister, like all that shit, it's like that's fucked. That's you you that shouldn't thing. be able to do this against their will. You yeah, know? At least JFK's sister was gonna eventually die in a plane crash anyway, so Yeah. Hey, uh hey, hey little boy, why are you sad? Well, you know, my my mom died and all right, come here. Get get over here. F- come here quick. Let, here, hand me my sword. Yeah. <laughs> Now don't move. Is my, Both eyes. Is my sword not here? Give me that Snickers oh. wrapper. Oh yeah. Stop talking about my little sword. It hurts my feelings when you talk about how little my sword is. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he got mad because he was using a sword, but it was like so small all the patients kept referring to it as a dagger. And those were actually the four hundred and ninety that died. <laughs> That's not funny. That's stupid. <laughs> None of that is none of that's funny at all. It's late. I'm tired. So alrighty, we don't have a Patreon, so we don't have to worry about mentioning that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Just special thanks to everyone that is listening and that is uh, uh, back to listen to the, to the podcast, even though we were gone for a while. And appreciate everyone that's telling their friends about the pod and listening, because that's the only way we can grow is if you share this and tell your friends. For sure. So hell yeah. Um, Special thanks to uh, the boys, the Bash Brothers, and the Last Bandoleros oh, for yeah. recording our outro and Absolutely. just being super badass. So fuck yeah! So, so, so just badass. a special thanks. And there's just way too many people now to actually thank. It's really good to be back. Love doing the yeah. podcast. Love uh, that we have so many fans and listeners. I still don't know why, really. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I haven't figured that out yet either. But it's really cool that they're there. Love them all. So, all right. I guess we'll shut her down then. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be good. Stay safe. Laugh the dark stuff. Hashtag wild man. Hashtag wild man, baby. Hashtag lobotomies. Oh. oh. Hashtag show your bottom to me. Oh, I will. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Hashtag wild woman. Oh, <laughs> Oh, man, are we allowed to say that? I don't know. In the Trump administration, are we allowed to say that? Hashtag build a wall. Oh, shit, dude. I keep telling everyone that uh, whenever my boy is here, my son, I was like, the second he doesn't listen, I'm throwing him over that fucking wall. (laughs) You can have him, Mexico. Take him. 
Hashtag break down the wall oh. inside the eye socket of my brain. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, is that what he was talking uh. about? Oh, we figured it out. <laughs> Hashtag Y2J, break the walls down. Oh, fuck, yeah. Oh, Jericho's going to do it anyway. <laughs> okay, I'm hitting stop. All right. <laughs>